Hello, welcome back to Let's Travel Baby podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether it's just out of like curiosity or you have a genuine interest to travel, I appreciate you. In my last podcast, I started out with a positive affirmation and I kind of want to keep it going. I kind of want to have it in my introduction. So you can say this with me, you can say it in your head if you're too embarrassed. But um, so the universe is always aligned with your beliefs and so if you like say yes, I will travel, the universe will always align with you. So you can say this in your head if you're too embarrassed. <laughs> yes, I will travel and the universe will align with me. It's that easy. So I just got back from London and Paris for my birthday weekend and I Ubered here from McCarran Airport. So the hustle is real. I'm kind of jet lagged. Excuse me if I'm a little tired and kind of all over the place. But over the weekend, iTunes approved my first podcast while I was on the plane to Paris and I just got an abundance of positive feedback and a whole bunch of questions and comments. And I'm super grateful for that. If you had anything to give back to me, I really appreciate you. Um, but I did want to make this little clarification. A lot of people were like asking who this podcast would apply to and I just want to kind of clarify it. My podcast is for people, preferably like college students regarding their financial standpoint, who want to travel for under a thousand dollars within a week span and to the people who have already traveled and want to get more tips and insight to travel like more feasibly. Yeah, right now I'm building a model all under this $1,000 budget to include like the price of the plane tickets, accommodation, food, activities, souvenirs, um, all within a $1,000 budget. And I think I want to make it into an ebook. So, um, yeah, that's what's in the works right now. But now that that is out of the way, let's get into today's episode. <laughs> today's episode is centered all around accommodations. Um, I'll be talking about how to navigate hostels and Airbnbs and how you can stay in like cities like Barcelona and Paris for all under $30 a night. Um, I'll be breaking down each of them and giving my opinion on it and then I'll end with bonus tips and yeah. Um, My brain is kind of like, I think in my left brain a lot, I think very logically so let me know if this kind of like preface beforehand helps with the organization of the podcast. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's like annoying to kind of give you what's going to happen, but <laughs> I just, I don't know. It's just how my brain works. Okay. Um, so there's this big stereotype around hostels and Airbnbs, and um, I've gotten a couple of opinions on it that they're either really scary <laughs> or they're gross or they're sketchy. Um, and there's also kind of this fear that like people wouldn't know how to navigate them if um, they ever book them and stuff. And that's kind of my thing. Like I think once you're knowledgeable about it, once you kind of know going in what you're going to expect, I think it becomes a lot more realistic and easier. So before I tell you ha- what to expect, um, I want to tell you the best apps I use to book these places. For three years, I've had these apps on my phone. Um, I've never deleted them. I've always looked at them for research and comparison. Two of the best apps that I've ever used was Hostel World. Very Generation X friendly. It's super easy to use and navigate. It's literally taken me like 
five minutes maybe to book a hostel. I've been in London and booked my hostel the night of. Um, there's tons of resources and maps and visualization and all the stuff that you can use. And then the Airbnb app, which is just an easier version than the website. And just uh, to reassure you, with these apps, it's no joke when it comes to security. Um, the stereotypes is that these places are sketchy, you don't know these people, you don't know where you're staying at. Um, same with hotels, <laughs> nobody really thinks about that. But yeah, I remember opening up my Airbnb account and it was such a diligent, painful process. I had to give my ID and then I had to give a video of myself claiming that it was me on the ID and then an audio clip of my voice or something like that. I just remember it was so diligent. Um, same with Hostel World or any hostel that I've ever booked with. You have to give your ID number and I'm pretty sure they go through a background check with that ID. They don't just let like criminals or you know pedophiles or whatever just sleep in beds next to other people. <laughs> like that would be fucking weird. But yeah, so, and also they go through a very diligent process for anybody who wants to own a hostel or an Airbnb. It's even more diligent. So I just want to reassure you that they are safe places. You go through checks and balances before you're sleeping next to strangers, basically. <laughs> that sounds so bad. But it's really safe and you don't have to feel scared. Especially, you know, the idea of sleeping next to strangers in bunk beds. You're doing the same thing at a hotel, just with a door, like, separating you guys, really. Um, and it's not as scary. Like, the people are very nice. They're usually college students or the people around your age group that want to be friends. Um, they're probably just as nervous as you are. Um, and also, rest assured, when you get to your hostel, you're not going to really be thinking, like, oh, man, are they stealing my stuff? Are they looking at me? Blah, blah, blah. You're like, fuck, I'm tired of shit. Like, I have walks all day. I just want to go to bed. I want to shower. I want to get into my pajamas that's it like you're not it's not that bad um but yeah yeah just to like reassure you it's it's really not as scary um i don't want you to feel scared about traveling this should be fun you should be getting your energy ready to take on the next day hostels are very very inexpensive they range from around um, 10 to maybe 30 dollars 40 dollars if you're booking it pretty late they're very inexpensive but also airbnbs can be very inexpensive as well um, my best tip would be like let's say for paris for instance um, it's a very big city it's very tourist friendly and i was like okay well i don't want to spend a lot of money i'm just going to book a hostel and the hostels know that you need to book there and they were very expensive they were like 60 dollars a night so the airbnb that i booked I split it between me and a friend, and it was $30 a night, so it was like $15 for me, it was 15 euros, and that was pretty crazy, so I would say hostels, yes, typically tend to be cheaper, but if that kind of city knows how big of a city they are, they'll probably take advantage of those hostels and bump up those prices pretty high. Yeah, I just kind of want to take away some of the anxiety that you may feel going into a hostel or an Airbnb. What you'll typically expect is something like a hotel. I mean, it's the check-in process, the security process. You might be finishing out your deposit and then the room. And then, yeah, it's pretty easy. For a hostel, 
you'll go in and it will kind of look like a hotel receptionist. It'll be a desk and usually a lady with a laptop. Um, but you'll say, you know, hi, you'll give your passport, you will for sure need your passport. You might need a second form of identification, like an ID or a school ID. And I just want to pop in and say, bring your school ID when you're traveling every single time, even if you've dropped out. Your school ID will give you discounts in almost all museums around the world. Um, they usually offer a student discount or sometimes they offer student discounts within trains. Um, but I would say if you dropped out or in your, if you're in school or if you've graduated, you can still use it because they don't validate it. They just check it. But yeah, I would say just that. Anyway, <laughs> so you're going to be giving your identification and you might be finishing out the rest of your deposit for your room. So you will probably, I mean, at least for Hostel World, you're going to be paying a little bit up front when you first initially book it. And then you'll be paying the rest. So I would advise also to bring the currency preferably in cash form or you might be paying on your card but um that's just something to be aware of um that you will need to finish out the rest of that payment so passport possibly second form of identification if you have a school id and some money will be all needed for the first initial upfront um and then they'll usually give you like a key card or a key to give you access to your room um, the rooms usually kind of look like dorms. They're like bunk beds. Um, it depends on how many people you book with. So you can be sleeping with 30 other extra people <laughs> in bunk beds, all separate, of course. Or you might be in an all-female or all-male. You might book a private one, which is you, and just maybe another other bunk bed or just you by yourself. Um, those typically just tend to be more expensive. This is very important. <laughs> you will have a locker. You will have somewhere safe to put your stuff. Um, a lot of people think that, you know, hostels are sketchy because they're going to be storing their luggage under their bed and everybody can take it. It's not true. You will be able to lock up your stuff either near the receptionist, like they might have a basement that puts luggage away. Um, that's just for, like, bomb threats. Like, if somebody were to put a bomb in their luggage, it's still away in the basement um but you will be able to put your locker I mean put your stuff in a locker you can put your valuables um I would always advise to take your passport everywhere you go even if it's in a locker and it's safe and you know nobody can access it I would say take your passport everywhere um especially when you travel they typically tend to check your check your passport for a lot of things like payment validation and um, if you say you're a foreigner, you know, whatever. But, yeah, I would say it's going to be safe, stored away. Um, you'll have a locker and usually a key code. Um, I would also advise to bring sandals. If you don't bring sandals, you're going to have to buy them when you get there because I would say never, ever, ever, ever shower without sandals in a hostel or an Airbnb or any foreign place. I've heard of people who have had, like, these horror stories of, like, having like these gross on their foot because you're walking a ton when you're traveling um don't let instagram fool you you are taking treks and you get sores on your feet or they can be open or whatever and you can have some weird shit happen in water so you know you're for you're showering with after you know foreign people have showered um you're f showering in foreign water and yeah you just don't want to play that shit so bring sandals and also 
also advise bring your own towel. They don't usually provide towels in hostels. I know that people think that hostels are similar to hotels in the regards that, you know, they provide everything. They don't. I would say bring that. And also, possibly, if you're going to be staying in that country for a long period of time, or you're going to be doing a long haul of a trip, 10 days, a month, whatever, bring your own detergent. Hostels will allow you to buy detergent and wash in their laundry room, but they don't provide that for free. It's usually a charge of like $3. Um, so if you're traveling a long time, I would say bring a couple Tide Pods, or you can just wait to buy it in the country, but just know that they don't provide that. But what they do provide is continental breakfast usually. Every single hostel I've stayed at, I've been traveling for three years, I've always had a breakfast accommodation. Um, I don't know if it's like that in every single hostel or if it's a requirement, but I love the continental breakfast at hostels. Um, I've always met like a ton of people. Um, it's kind of like a cafeteria setting. It's like high school, but less clickish, I guess. <laughs> um, but you'll sit next to people that are from like different countries and stuff. And you'll, you know, of course, ask like where they're from. And then you guys get talking and it's like, oh, like, where are you going? oh, no way, I've been there, it's dope, oh, you should try this, well, we're going to be there, should we meet up, blah, 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 and it's just great for networking and meeting people around the country. I don't think that you get that experience with Airbnbs or hotels as much, and then I'll just quickly run through the Airbnb check-in process. It's around the same thing. You're meeting with a person, and you're going to be checking, you know, passport or maybe ID, may possibly be putting up a little up front. I just tell you this because, you know, you might be charged with a card and um, you get that 3% or 1% charge for the foreign uh, transactions. So yeah, just having cash on you beforehand before you check into any of these places is always smart. And so yeah, you'll be checking in. Uh, they'll usually give you key or again, the code. Um, and sometimes you might not even be meeting up with the owner. Uh, you'll make directions to where the padlock is to get the key. It's really simple. Or they might hide the key under the mat or something for you. And yeah, that was just kind of like a quick rundown of what to expect, how to navigate them, what to bring and stuff. I know the audience I'm talking to, Generation X, Millennials, we have an attendance span of like three seconds. So I'm trying to make this fast. Um, but yeah. We've reached the end of this podcast, and it is bonus tips. I wrote a couple of things down. I have an interesting story that was a huge bonus tip. This past week, I was in Paris and London for my birthday weekend, and I <laughs> I sound like this. I, As you learn more about me in this podcast, I am very stubborn, and I'm very... I've always walked to the beat of my own drum, I guess. I kind of don't follow the rules. Of course, in regards to the law, obviously I do. But, like, I, I really like kind of taking chances and being adventurous or whatever. But I was planning on sneaking my luggage on to my flights and not paying for them. In domestic flights, you're typically paying for your carry-on. It's like a $30 to $50 charge. And I was like, no, fuck that. Like, I'm not going to pay for it if I can just sneak it on and it'll be fine. And what I've come to the conclusion, my hypothesis was right. And you don't have to pay for carry-on. I just fucking realized that there's no checkpoint at the security, at the boarding gate, at uh, where you're putting in your pass, like anything. 
And yeah, I just tested this on my domestic and international flight. And I don't know, I feel weird about giving this advice. Is it completely legal? No, I guess basically you're stealing from the company by sneaking something on, but you could be sneaking on worse stuff. Um, I just think it's a way that they make money. I don't think it costs the airline anything for you to be bringing on your carry-on into their plane. I know that they do it as a checkpoint in regards to weight. Um, If, let's say, an airplane is too heavy up front or too heavy in the back if it's not completely even the plane will crash um so i think they kind of get their way of checking it through there but you know i don't think your 10 pound luggage is going to make the plane crash obviously i snuck mine on and they didn't know and it was fine so yeah i advise you not to use this advice if you know what i mean like i'm not telling you to do it um i'm not saying it works for all airlines i haven't tested it I used it on one domestic flight, one international flight there and back, and it worked for me. Um, no pretty pliver- priv- <laughs> privilege. It it worked. So, yeah, it, it was weird. I had my carry-on. My carry-on is a fairly small but kind of big little luggage, I guess. It's kind of hard to explain. But it's, you know, it's a carry-on. It goes up in the top um, compartments and... You know, I was like, oh, shit, like, I'm definitely going to have to pay for this. Like, there's no way I can sneak this on. I bet they check it because obviously how could you, like, miss paying that fee? But I got through security. They didn't say anything about it. I got through, you know, the boarding gate, that little um, checkpoint right before you go through that tube into the plane. They didn't say anything. And then I got into the plane and I was like, oh, shit, like, this is where I'm going to have to pay for it. I'm going to be kicked out of the plane because they probably take an account for how much room is like up front based on like the people who have paid for it so I was like oh no there's not going to be any room for my carry-on up in the top compartments because I didn't let them know I had it and it wasn't true there was plenty of room because not every single person on the plane has a carry-on that goes up front so there was a ton of room and it was weird and yeah it was just like the weirdest thing I was like damn like it's probably ask don't ask don't tell kind of thing like you probably don't have to tell that you're paying for it or that you're not paying for it or that you are and you'll probably be just fine so that's a little tip it might end up saving you some money you might end up having to pay up front if you get caught but i don't think you will and for my international flight you go basically you have to get your boarding pass in a kiosk and then you go into line in the check baggage even if you're just out of carry-on you have to stand in that line for the check baggage because they make sure that your carry-on is in requirement and if it's not then you pay for it to be checked so basically my beloved norwegian airlines i love it so much when you pay for their international flight it comes with a free carry-on but if you get to the airport and it's not in their standards as a carry-on you have to pay for it as a checked and a checked is usually i believe it's a hundred a front um, at the airport and then it's like ugh, I don't know it's it's really expensive though and I was like oh shit like this is where I have to pay for it I already transferred all the money like I was like I'm gonna have to pay for it there and back I was really upset and I was like fuck like I can't sneak this on as a pretend carry-on it weighed 10.2 kilograms and the requirement is 10 kilograms uh, the requirement for their size, so like how big that carry-on is to go up in the up compartments, is 55 by 40 by 23 centimeters. 
and they have like almost this like thing you can fit your luggage into to see if it fits those requirements like almost like a model that you can like put it in this box and see if it fits in it and I put it in there I was like oh shit like it's twice the size (laughs) like it's like twice as tall my luggage is huge it's overweight like I'm gonna have to check it in as a checked instead of my free carry-on and I'm pissed so I was like fuck like I'm so angry like I have to pay this money and I didn't fucking think about it I should have packed lighter and I got to the kiosk and it was 10.2 kilograms I weighed it and she was like no it's fine I was like what like for real like I'm sneaking on this thing I'm sneaking on basically a checked luggage as my carry-on just by like showing up like it was so cool and I would say you know airlines are very restrictive on the stuff and you know always follow the <laughs> rules or whatever but like yeah like there's kind of some push room and some stuff so I'd always say if you're gonna do it try out the cheapest option first and then if it doesn't work then you gotta pay it but yeah I just thought it was dope okay there's this was a dope one if you do have to check in a check luggage I never recommend it by the way there's easier ways to do it But if you do have to do it, I would say there's these little stickers on Amazon and they're labeled fragile and it usually has like a wine thing on it. Um, But if you put that on your luggage, no matter if you don't have anything fragile or not, they handle your luggage with better care. And I don't know if you guys have been traveling for a while, but fucking luggage gets thrown around like there's no tomorrow. Like I've literally had my luggage broken. Like the handle had been fucking torn off when I got it one time. The wheels have been broken. Like they literally just throw your luggage in the plane. They throw it on the carousel. Like they don't give a shit. So I would say get a sticker like this. Put it on your luggage. They handle it more fragilely. They're not going to toss it around. So the luggage that you fucking pay a lot of money for, they're going to treat with better care. Yeah. And they also store the top of that luggage in the top storage compartment fragile stuff gets stored first so when they put it out on the carousel you get your luggage first before anybody which is really dope so you kind of get to skip the line and i just thought that was dope um another one yeah this was from my london and paris uh trip a week ago too so scheduling a flight at night and then arriving at night and sleeping i have been blessed with my jet lag experience i think the universe gave it to me so i could give you the best advice on how to cure it it is just something that i've dealt with the entire time i've been traveling i am very very prone to like insomnia and lack of sleep if i don't get the right amount of sleep i guess i need sleep i need like more or eight hours of sleep or I will not be able to function and this hits me really hard like jet lag takes me like it takes most people like three to two days to recover it takes me like three to five like it really hits me hard and I've always struggled with jet lag and adjusting and changing my circadian rhythm and all that shit what I found was when I scheduled my flight at night so I had a flight at 10 p.m from LAX to Paris And so I slept the whole way through like I normally would. So it was like 10 p.m. My body was like, all right, asleep. And I was sleeping. And then when I got to Paris, it was like 10.45 at night. And I was going to go to sleep like soon after. So I was almost sleeping 20 hours consecutively. And when I woke up, the jet lag feeling was gone. So I had slept almost, yeah, I guess like 20 hours. (laughs) sounds ridiculous but I had a 10-hour flight I slept all through it like I can literally sleep so long and then sleep again so I had a 10-hour flight slept 10 hours then 
I got there, ate with my friend, and then I slept again for like 10 hours. So I don't think that like 20 hours will cure your jet lag. I just think sleeping twice and letting your body fully adjust to that and rest is the way to make your trip the best, I guess. Um, You want to be in a good state when you're traveling especially like your first morning there like you want to set in that right intention and energy to have the best time ever you don't want to be sore or groggy or you know tired like you want to enjoy that trip for as much as you can and I found that scheduling my flight at night sleeping and then scheduling it again and then waking up you feel insanely refreshed mostly because you've slept almost a full fucking day at just a guess but yeah, it was so dope and it's cured my jet lag. I have extreme jet lag and so yeah. All right, that concludes the end of this episode. Next episode will be f- Lab Attraction and how I manifested Tokyo within a week. And I'm really excited to share that story. A lot of people ask how I kind of combine those two worlds of traveling and law of attraction. And I'm really excited to share my tips and my stories and everything. So stay tuned for that. Um, If you don't follow me on my social medias, they're Katie Lala with three E's. I'm so excited that you guys are listening, that you guys are enjoying this. Please send me a DM when you listen to this. I want to know your thoughts on it. Again, with a critique, I love critique. I love constructive criticism. I'm pretty tough. I can take it. And yeah, if you want to tell me how you better organize this, what would you do differently? What did you like? I would really appreciate it. So yeah, have a safe travel if you're listening to this on the plane. I hope you have a good rest. Have a good trip. I'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye.